Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sin in the Simi Valley. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. We've covered a lot of cults on this podcast, but there's one that's been a little under the radar, and that all changes today. The Divine Order of the Royal Arms of the Great Eleven, also known as the Great Eleven Club, or later the Blackburn Cult, was again, arguably, one of the craziest cults that we will be discussing. And we've discussed a lot of cults specifically in Los Angeles, so that, again, says a lot. The Divine Order of the Royal Arms of the Great Eleven, or as I'll refer to it, the Great Eleven, was founded in the Bunker Hill neighborhood of downtown Los Angeles by 41-year-old Matilda May Otis Blackburn and her 24-year-old daughter, Ruth Wyland Rizzio. The two were failed actors. Their most notable credit, which is actually kind of impressive, was starring in and producing a film called A Nugget in the Rough in 1917, Portland, Oregon's first feature film. They moved to Los Angeles a year later, but by 1922, Ruth was supporting them by working downtown as a taxi driver, the early 20th century's version of an erotic dancer, like a host who worked in cars. That same year, May and Ruth had a revelation. The two publicly proclaimed that the angels Gabriel and Michael appeared to them and declared them to be the two witnesses described in the book of Revelation 11.3. I had to look up that verse, and it goes like this. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in a sackcloth. Not sure about the sackcloth, but May and Ruth were definitely vying for that power. The two women swore that the angels visited them, directing them to write a book of divine knowledge and revelation that, upon publication, would foretell apocalyptic events. This book was supposed to be titled The Seventh Trumpet of Gabriel, but was later changed to The Great Sixth Seal. Along with sharing future prophecies, this game-changing book would also reveal, quote, lost measurements that pinpointed hidden riches and oil deposits around the globe. May later described being willingly chained to her bed for several months in conceiving of the book. So what does the Great Eleven even mean? I thought it was from the passage from the Book of Revelation, but according to an LA Times article from 1925 called Angel Gabriel's Girls Quizzed, that's how popular they were, it's more complicated than what you might expect. They had been taken to a spot outside of Bakersfield, where just below the surface of the earth, they were shown huge stores of golden nuggets and precious stones, which was to be theirs upon the presentation to the world of the sixth seal. The royal family of the chosen eleven was to consist of nine queens, and Ruth and May, 
For each queen, a marble palace was to be erected on the Mount of Olives, which is the present-day Barnsdall Park, that's in uh, the east side of Los Angeles, and was to be supplied with 11 kings chosen by the angel Gabriel. The queens and their respective entourages were to rule the world with the advent of eternal life. Sounds pretty good to me. May and Ruth called themselves queens and high priestesses, and people believed them. Los Angeles locals paid to hear their answers with small membership fee they would help to produce the book and have privileged information to success and future events, and of course, an affiliation with the divine Great Eleven. May and Ruth could do this because, really, the women were really attractive and very charming. As mentioned, they worked in entertainment and got things done. They were especially good at getting money from potential suitors and having men do whatever they wanted. A man named Sam Rizzio was one of those men, until he wasn't. Sam had only known Ruth and her work a short time when he married her in May of 1924. He moved into the organization's headquarters with his wife, where now where Koreatown's Ma Deng Mall is. But after realizing how intense the cult of the Great Eleven really was, he begged Ruth to leave with him. In a heated fight, he supposedly hit her so hard that he drew blood, causing her followers to form a wall around their queen. After the fight, Sam abruptly disappeared. He was never seen again, and a note to Sam's mother ominously said that he, quote, is now a high priest, invisible to less spiritual eyes. Sam's younger brother, Frank Rizzio, was suspicious of the whole damn thing. He decided to do his own snooping, infiltrating the Great Eleven by getting May to hire him as her personal chauffeur. After only a few days, Frank discovered his brother's clothes and suitcase and confronted May. She tersely responded that maybe it meant Sam would be coming back soon. The Rizzios threatened to go to the police, but never did, probably because they were trying to escape their own criminal past. Sam Rizzio had already served nine months in juvenile hall for altering checks, and his father before him had been wanting for a triple homicide in Chicago. So the Rizzio family backed off and things quieted down. Ruth and May honed in on the book, which was mostly just religious ranting on paper. The irony of Ruth and May basing their whole religion on producing this monumental book is that they were both really, really bad writers. One of the few people who actually saw a draft of The Sixth Seal called it, quote, the most astounding, bewildering hodgepodge of biblical and mythological references, which is probably why its release was constantly delayed and then just never happened. Speaking of never happening, let's make something happen, like a break. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, hello, how are you? Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're in it. Yeah, we're here. How are you feeling? Do you feel different? You're, you're kicking off the new year with us, so what does that say? Mm, mm. Good? It's like a hangover you uh, didn't do anything to get. No, but all the negative aspects of it. <laughs> yeah. No fun. All negative. Best thing for a hangover actually cures a lot of ailments. It'll be in my new book. 
is <laughs> going to patreon.com slash ghost town pod mm-hmm. early access no mm-hmm. ads no mm-hmm. chit chat adding years onto your life you don't need that if you want to listen to all of our earlier episodes and you want to catch up you'll save many many minutes and that'll add many many years onto your life wow what a what a new year's resolution less ads more life I'm essentially a doctor at this point. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. We want to thank you for listening, for your support to all of our patrons. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Absolutely. And to our ever-powerful but ever-fair and just government, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the mayors. Mm-hmm. The mayors. David Bull. Hello. James Harrington. Hi. Dara Rosenzweig. Good day. Ashley Matson. Hello to you, too. And the governor that makes it look so easy. Ah, effortless. Avian Noble. So said if you want early access, no chit chat, no ads. Yeah. Patreon.com slash ghost town pod helps the show out as low as one or two dollars. Come on. That's nothing compared to all the other New Year's resolutions that you're having planned. What are you going to buy with it? A loose cigarette? Oh, a Lucy. <laughs> yeah, you're going to buy a Lucy? You're going to buy a loose cigarette? <laughs> okay. People that, that have hangovers do, right? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I always just tag the, the CIA on Twitter if I think anyone's doing something like <laughs> oh, that's good. smoking ciggies or whatever. Jason's not a cop. No, not a cop. Not a cop. Nope. Not a cop. Just or... a rocker. <laughs> just a full-time totally, rocker. Totally. Absolutely. As proven here. If you've got New Year's resolutions, just keep us in mind. We can improve your life. We we think. Yeah. Don't listen to anything else we just said. But that. But that. And that's it. Case closed. Listen, we're we're still we're still in Los Angeles and there's still a lot of crime and, and interesting things to be said and had, just mm-hmm. like story of these these two very badass babes. Uh, yeah, I like hashtag boss babe, hashtag <laughs> Live, love, cult, whatever. Live, love, cult. Yeah, you know that one, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm in it. I think I'm in it. <laughs> yeah, my my sister has that uh, hanging up above her wow. uh, wicker papazon chair. That's great. Yeah, these women really pioneered um, who run the world? Girls. Murderers. <laughs> so let's get back to it. These two women, Ruth and May, were writing this book. While the prophesized Great Eleven book was continually getting underway over and over, Going, going, news was coming forward about it. It kept getting pushed back. The release date was always changing. One great Eleven follower, whose name was Clifford Dabney, a goofy nephew of an oil magnate, turned over $50,000 in cash and assets to May Blackburn, worth approximately $750,000 in 2019. In return, he was promised to be among the first to see the Blackburn's book, with its lost measurements for more profit, of course, ahead of publication. Dabney also donated 164 acres of land in the Santa Susana area of Simi Valley in Ventura County so that May and Ruth could construct a commune to preach their truths and way of life. May Blackburn also married one of her followers, a handsome, much younger, mustachioed man named Ward Sitton Blackburn, hence Blackburn. The new couple instructed May's followers to build cabins on the Simi Valley property where they would take up residence and chill until Christ returned. It was called Harmony Hamlet by the press, and the first thing constructed on the property was a temple featuring an elaborate gilded throne that was reserved for Christ. Cult members residing at the property were told to leave their cars in the woods and walk up to the area, work at a nearby tomato packing house, and turn all their pay over to May and Ruth. This is how much it had escalated from this kind of modest Koreatown headquarters 
where a man went missing to this elaborate Simi Valley construction where all of the things that May and Ruth wanted would hopefully take place. In the evenings, robed members gathered for rituals in a natural amphitheater on the property and sacrificed mules and, according to some witnesses, danced naked. Whatever May and Ruth said went, no matter how insane. During this time, it was alleged that one sick member of the Great Eleven was placed in a hot brick oven in order to get over that common sickness, and she died as a result. Four other cult members were also reported to have mysteriously disappeared, likely poisoned, including Sam Rizzio. You notice I went from followers to cults. We're ramping this up. It's becoming cult-like, and the public is also noticing this. On New Year's Day of 1925, 16-year-old cult member Willa Rhodes died from a severe infection as a result of a toothache. May assured her grieving parents, also in the Great Eleven, that the girl would be resurrected to life after 1,260 days had passed and the book was published. All they had to do was preserve her body for the event. So they did. Willa's body was immediately placed in a bathtub filled with ice, spices, and salt. Fourteen months later, when the girl's parents moved back to Los Angeles and into a home in Venice, they brought Willa's preserved body with them and placed it in a metal coffin beneath the floor of their house. Next to her coffin was another coffin containing the sacrificed bodies of seven puppies, said to represent the seven tones of the angel Gabriel's trumpet. The rituals were amping up, and inexplicably, plans for a large refrigeration unit began in the commune. One year before her arrest, May traveled with nine followers to Stovepipe Wells in Death Valley to perform a ceremony. Although no details are known, it is believed that she equated the wells with the, quote, bottomless pit in the Book of Revelation, and police later investigated rumors that Sam Rizzio's body was disposed of there, though nothing was found. In 1929, Dabney and other Blackburn followers lost patience for the completion of Blackburn's book, Yeah, No Shit, and her promised apocalyptic events. They filed charges of fraud and theft against May and Ruth for as much as $200,000, approximately $3 million today. As allegations also emerged of unreported deaths and disappearances, police expanded their interest, leading to the discovery of the mummified body of Willa Rhodes beneath her parents' Venice home. It couldn't be determined that Willa had died from anything other than natural causes, but at the same time, Sam Rizzio's disappearance and others could not be ignored. Unfortunately, police were unable to uncover any viable evidence regarding the disappearances of the four missing cult members, including Rizzio. Prosecutors also could not substantiate the allegations of a cult member's death from being baked in an oven. Nevertheless, in 1930, Ruth and May were charged with grand theft. The charges against Ruth were dropped, but May was sentenced to a minimum of eight years in 1930. She appealed, claiming the stories of Sam and Willa had been improperly admitted to frighten the jury and had nothing to do with whether she'd committed theft. A year later, a judge agreed with May and let her go. Remarkably, Ruth and May were never charged with any deaths or disappearances, and the Great Eleven continued to exist for a bit, though the publicity and scandal eroded membership and credibility, as you might imagine. In 1936, May Blackburn actually did publish a book called The Origin of God, which was confusing and bad, riddled with weird religious imagery. It didn't change the world or get anyone rich. May Blackburn died in Los Angeles in 1951. I'm not sure about Ruth. To this day, you can check out the commune in Simi Valley, though I don't think you'll find any jewels or gold. This is one of those cases where they seem to cover a lot of Los Angeles and the greater Los Angeles area. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've hit so many points relatively far from each other. Yeah. And I guess in, in the you know 1920s, Los Angeles wasn't as developed as mm -mm. it was. So things can happen in different places. And you, you, 
you traverse different parts, but there's not a lot of hoops to jump through as far as people, hey, why did you leave here and come here? Now, why are you there? People just think roamed a little more because it was still being developed. So you can, I don't know, maybe get away with a little bit more, but they seem to pretty much blanket the greater Los Angeles area, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. And and think about LA at this time in the 20s. It was mostly farmland. You've got some metropolitan area downtown, Santa Monica. Orange was Groves. Kind of, and some exactly. Rent. Venice was still kind of a vacation destination. Simi Valley, like, forget it. Like, that was remote. And you think about, we've talked a little bit about Amy Semple McPherson. We've talked about these religious figureheads that kind of come to power during this time. People are coming out to LA. The entertainment industry is getting settled here. It's kind of a free-for-all out here. Little, and, you know, Great Depressions yeah, right around there and people absolutely. looking for answers. And- absolutely vulnerable, for sure. Um, so you think about what these women were able to accomplish in such a short period of time, and absolutely they are a product of their time and place. And it's strange because there's a couple books on this that are very good, but the information also kind of peters out. A lot of it is from early LA Times, word of mouth, how they could evade a lot of what would usually be published or at least contemporarily be talked about nonstop, we don't have, which again is kind of why I think that maybe this hasn't been made into a docuseries or anything like that, because it's such good fodder for that. Living until 1951 mm-hmm. is a relatively modern time. It would be interesting if somebody interviewed her, got information from her mm-hmm. in the late 40s. Totally. You get that kind of maximum amount of information from somebody on what they think or what they do. And I guess if they're of the mind of like, I publish books as an authority on God, I guess it's probably mm-hmm. only going to go in one direction, but that would be interesting. Yeah. And I, I think, God, I would love to to hear more about this person. And I also like as a former tour guide, I was like, this would be an incredible tour to take people around this. So we'll, we'll see. I don't know. It'd be a fun LA. Would you take that LA tour? Uh, let me check my schedule. <laughs> Sure, I'm not doing anything ever. (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.